the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, as far as God is concerned, if a leader, even a person who claims to follow Christ in the church willfully trivializes the Bible and their leadership or their life in the church, I'm not talking about being susceptible to error. God is merciful toward the mistakes of his people. But they say, oh, the Bible, we don't need that. And if they set aside God's word as insignificant for their calling, their leadership, and for the sake of the body, and if they think they are so smart like the philosopher kings of our generation that can improve upon the word of God by altering a little bit here or there, then God views that man or woman in the same crowd as a witch and a wizard. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with his message today entitled Witches and Wizards. That's Witches and Wizards, and we hope that you enjoy it. And don't forget that you can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com along with many other messages. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Father, we are grateful today in the love of God to be able to open our Bibles and know you. Bless us toward that end in Jesus, in his name. Amen. You know, heaven is a homeland. And God expects each one of us to be patriotic to Jesus Christ and to be utterly loyal to his word. Do you hear me? Not a little loyal, utterly loyal. And anything less than this is counted as treason with God. I mean, you know the great commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart and all your soul and all your might. There is no option to this. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means a total commitment to Him without compromise. We have been called to this total commitment to Jesus. And to this end, we must strive with every single bit of energy in our being. Why? Because God's grace, the goodness of God in Jesus, has bought us back for God. You've been redeemed. You know that? You've been redeemed. It's huge in our lives. I mean, I look at the mess that I've come through. I realize where the Lord has brought me. I realize I'm not there yet. And yet the magnificent truth is that in the journey with God, we are accepted as if we had never sinned right now because of the love of God. I mean, that's huge. How can you quantify that in your life? I can't. Because of God's grace, the goodness of God in Jesus has brought us into a relationship with God that's not fickle here and off and so on, but it's sure the foundation is certain. Our debts have been paid at the cross of Christ. You have debts? What? I have debts. They were paid at the cross of Christ. But that does not mean we are not debtors. We are debtors to a grace that is costly. Not cheap grace, but costly. And thus we must live for Jesus Christ. 
know, loyalty and patriotism have a proper application in spiritual things. Even dolphins can be patriotic. Do you believe me? It's true. It made international news the country of the Ukraine and Russia have been at odds over the seizure of the Crimean Peninsula for a few years now. And in the Ukraine, spies and researchers together hand-selected these best dolphins that they could use to spy out the Russians. You know, look at their ships, look at their submarines, maybe put a smart bomb on one of them or something like that. So spy under the water. The facility that trains the dolphins was seized by the Russian forces, and immediately Ukrainian officials demanded that the dolphins be returned to their homeland, I should say their home water. The Russians refused. Now, I've done a little research. The Russian word for no is niet. Did I say that right? Niet. Niet is the Russian word for no. So they said niet to the Ukrainians. They wanted to retrain the dolphins and make them double agents against the Ukraine, but there was only one problem with this attempt. The dolphins would not become traitors. They were loyal to the Ukraine. The dolphins were patriotic Ukrainians, and so the dolphins resisted by going on a hunger strike. I mean, this was in the news. How many of you read this? You should read the news. Boris Babin, a Ukrainian official from Kiev, said proudly that the dolphins died patriotically. Those are his words, defending their country. You know, King Solomon understood the need for loyalty and patriotism in our service to God. Six times he framed it in a proverb, and I think he must have learned it from his father David. Let's just look at them very quickly. Proverbs 3, verse 3. Let not loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now that's where God's law goes. So for us to have God's law in our hearts, we must be loyal to God, be faithful to God. Proverbs 14, 22. Do they not err that devise evil? Those who devise good meet loyalty and faithfulness. Proverbs 16, verse 6, By loyalty and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. Proverbs 19, 22, What is desired in a man is loyalty, and a poor man is better than a liar. Proverbs 20, verse 6, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but a faithful man who can find. Now, that's a fact. If you find someone in your life who is trustworthy, who you can depend on, you've got a friend. And if you are that person in someone's life, you are a friend. Proverbs 20, verse 28, the last of the six. Loyalty and faithfulness preserve the king, and his throne is upheld by righteousness. So I ask the question this morning. If you were to do an assessment of yourself and your walk with God, can you say forthrightly that I am loyal to God? In my inner spirit, when I wake up in the morning, do I commit my life to him? Am I solidly in his cause or am I kind of like flittering around, doing my own thing, playing religion? Or am I really loyal to God? Solomon's father was King David, but he was not the first king in Israel to rule. The wisest man who ever lived outside of Christ, Solomon, learned a lot from his dad who'd been through some hard times. King David followed King Saul, who was really the first king in Israel. King Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul was a tragic figure in Israel's history because King Saul was rejected by God as king. You know, there are many people today in the church who feel that they're so important in the cause of God that God just couldn't do the work in the church without them. You ever meet people like that? Well, this preacher is not one of them. I'm not indispensable. 
God could remove me. And you know what? I'm grateful to serve in any post. It's not a big deal to me to mop that floor out there or to come and help these fine people who clean the church on Sunday. I do it every Sunday I'm here. You know why? Because serving God has its own reward. It is a joy to be here with the people of God and make a difference in the church. And so if there's a task to be done, you don't have to worry about asking me if I can. If I can, I'm going to help. Why? Because I am grateful for the church of God. I'm not a big person. I'm a small person. But there are people that feel that they are indispensable Christians. They feel that if they're not in charge, then somehow the work of God cannot go on without them. Saul was just like that. The Bible says that Saul was head and shoulders above every man in Israel. And that's what Saul's problem was in the storyline in his own day. He said, well, you know, I'm a tall guy. I'm a handsome guy. You know, he kind of looked in the mirror and got the narcissist thing going on. Look at that great-looking king. Now, back in the 70s, there was a television series. I don't have a TV in my home, but I was a TV addict in the 70s. And I remember the one personality that personified this, the Fonz. Remember the Fonz? You know, the image of cool, cool. You know, I never thought he looked cool. I thought he looked awful, arrogant. Yeah, they just kind of stole the show, and it was supposedly, you know, what made it right all those years in the syndication. We don't have to be like the fawns. King Saul thought he was. And that was Saul's problem in his day. It got to his head because he was head and shoulders above every man in Israel. And he came to know it inside his head. Look at 1 Samuel 9, verses 1 to 2. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Kish means bent in Hebrew. Now, if you've ever read C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis in his book, Paralandra, the second volume of the space trilogy called Satan, the Bent One. You know, when you bend in the wrong way, when you compromise long enough, it becomes your character. So Satan is the Bent One. You can't straighten him out anymore. He's bent forever. And so Kish's name meant bent. You don't want to be flexible with God's Word. Now, there's a place to be flexible in life, isn't there? We should be flexible with others, correct? We should be flexible in our interactions with the weak especially so that we don't harshly oppress or bring anyone to a state of discouragement. But there's one thing we should not be flexible in at all, and that's fidelity to the Word of God. We should be true as the needle to the pole. And if you want to obey God but be flexible with His Word, you can't obey God. You must be true to it. Now, it takes wisdom to be straight but not narrow-minded. Kish's name means flexible. He was the son of Abiel. Abiel's name in Hebrew means my father is God. You know, he's proud of his relationship with God. There's another way of saying I'm a somebody and not a nobody. My father is God. Abiel was the son of Zeror. Zeror means money bag. I'm a somebody because I have a money bag. I'm a somebody because I have a fat IRA and my wallet is loaded for good things. Zeror was the son of Baharoth. His name in Hebrew means firstborn. You know, not number two son. I'm number one son. So arrogance can set in. Money, position, power, religious status. He was the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. His name means I will make him breathe. You know, my mom used to always tell me when she wanted to correct me, she wouldn't say you better do what's right. She would say, I gave you life. That was highly effective. Look, only God can give you life. But Aphia no doubt felt that his money bag gave him power, and thus it was a good hedge against a certain death. And so Kish, the bent one, 
had a son. His son's name was Saul, and Saul became the first king in Israel. Saul's name means desired. He was the darling little boy that was desired. We like Saul. He was just the kind of man you would want to have for a king. I mean, they cuddled Saul. They cuddled Saul. I mean, he was on a fast track to greatness. Look at his family lineage coming from the man with the money bag, the firstborn, the man who claims that father is God, and so on. Saul is the desired son, the accumulation of all that good background. He was just the kind of man you would want to have for a king. He was a good-looking Hollywood kind of king. He was tall and handsome. Like I said, he was like the fawns. He was born with a family, with money, prestige, position, and power. And of course, his name means desired. And then think of the tribe he came from. He came from the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin in Hebrew means son of the right hand. In the right place, the right time, the right position, the favored one. Verse 2. And he, that is Kish, had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Reaching Your Heart will continue with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on the Salem Radio Network, on Sirius XM, and on WAVA in the Washington, D.C. area because we believe... God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages are prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you've been blessed by our ministry, please go to the website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Please consider giving any amount from your heart today. Here's the phone number. 888-244-HOPE 888-244-4673 is a telephone number to call please consider picking up the telephone and dialing right now also at the close of today's broadcast we have a very special offer for you that we hope you'll take advantage of as well now more with Pastor Mike there was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he from his shoulders upward he was taller than any of the people Now, I've been gifted with being six foot, one inch, and three quarters. How tall are you? Do you keep a running track record of how tall you are? Now, I have walked in the presence of people who are taller and shorter than me. Do we have anybody here who is taller than six feet, one inch, and three quarters? Raise your hand. Now, I've noticed when I'm looking at someone a little taller than me, for the first time in a while, I feel a little intimidated. Isn't it funny looking at someone taller? Now, I've seen people looking at me who feel intimidated because I'm looking down. But you know what? You don't have to be intimidated if you're shorter or taller or not, right? But it's somehow built into our body language psyche. So Saul was tall. When the boy David went out to fight the Philistine giant Goliath, there was only one giant in Israel who should have fought against him that day. Only one. And that giant in Israel was King Saul. We miss it in the storyline. But Saul sent this little boy David out to fight against the big and arrogant Goliath, when he himself should have gone out there before him and done the job. You see, it's possible to be tall, handsome, wealthy, a born of privilege kind of person, and to be so certain of yourself, so much so that you do not know that God's work can go on just fine without you. Without your money, without your talent, without your good looks, without you, even if you think that you are indispensable in the service and work of God. God has a way of getting it done anyway. Saul was the indispensable king. He was the desirable one. So he thought. 
Saul was the certain choice you would have made if you wanted a leader that looked like a leader. Man, he was a leader. But the great leaders in the Bible, the great men and women of the Bible who lead, aren't chosen in this kind of way. Great leaders of God are called into service because of godly character. And there are times God calls people who have an unideal character to grow them. This he did of Saul. But in the end, those who stay the distance, who get it done of godly character, are people of unswerving obedience to his word. God's kind of leaders are not self-appointed or position-seeking men and women or the product of manipulation and political campaigning to get a position. If you're elected a leader, it doesn't mean God made you a leader. You better fulfill your calling before God. A God-chosen leader is the outcome of a selfless character that is deeply loyal to God and His people no matter what the cost. So you'll find leaders serving God's people in their spare time making a difference when others aren't looking because being small is really being big. A God-chosen leader in the inner soul desires to obey God, to be loyal to God, to submit to God, to see all those faults of character transformed by God's grace. Thus, a God-given leader is humble about his own status before God. He realizes, there go I but for the grace of God, and thus he must cling to God. You know what someone is really made of when times are tough? Are times tough in your life? When they show their stuff as a friend, when they come to you when you're in need, or they help you if they can a fair-weather friend is no friend at all because he or she cannot weather the stuff of hardship and disgrace. I've had good times and bad times in my life. I've had some times where I've been just trying my best to do what I could do to make a difference, and it seems like the external fruit wasn't there. And then I've watched certain people distance themselves from me if they check the political wind to see if it was good to be around Pastor Mike or not. I have learned that friends are with you when they realize the righteousness of your cause and your commitment to it, and they don't worry about what's happening in the ebb and flow of the crowd. A friend that is loyal. God didn't ask a lot of Saul. He didn't ask a lot of Saul. What he asked of him was for him to be a loyal king, to be the friend of God. He simply asked him to hang in there and to obey him. And even if he had faults of character, to humble up and admit them and move through the envelope. He asked him to remember that even though Saul was a king, ultimately God is king in our lives. And so God needs to be the one friend who calls the shots in your life and in the king's life. Saul didn't get that lesson. Every leader of God today needs to follow the Bible. Now I'll say that without apology. We are living in an age of philosopher kings. When theologian types think they're smarter than the testimony of Jesus, the clear word of God. When people who should be in a clear position to stand for God's word have compromised it by their actions and by their attitudes and their teaching. We need at this present time men and women who will live the Bible, love the Bible because they live for Jesus and they love Jesus Christ. You know, I don't care if we're in some emerging church movement era. You hear me? Who cares? I don't care if some great thinker has a way of how to save the church. You know, Christ will save His church if we're faithful to His Word. We'll be directed and guided and people will come to the Lord Jesus. Over time, Saul revealed the deeply flawed nature of his spoiled character. See, he resisted the work of God to transform him. Thus, he resisted the power of the Word of God in him. And so the influence of the Holy Spirit didn't take root in Saul as it should. It all came to a head at Gilgal. Look at 1 Samuel 15.1. It all came to a head at Gilgal. One Bible prophet will say, come to Gilgal and sin. 
And that's exactly what we're going to see happen here. Look at verse 1. And Samuel sent to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore hearken to the words of the Lord. Now verse 2, I get a thrill in my body every time I read something like this in the Bible. Thus says the Lord of hosts. That doesn't sound like some faith community guessing at truth. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish what Amalek did in Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now here he's alluding to Exodus 17, the great story of when they were coming from Egypt to Mount Sinai. Amalek was there and tried to wipe them out. It didn't happen. Verse 3, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. You see, Amalek was like ISIS. It was a terrorist organization trying to take down the people of God. And God now says, take them out. Kill both man and women, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. This is the language of what Joshua was told to do when he entered the land of Canaan. Now, many people today believe that God is a tyrant here if he, in fact, follows through with rooting out evil. Now, At the end of the age, is Jesus coming or not? Are the nations of the earth, according to the Bible, are they going to be judged or not? Will there be a general destruction of the world at the end of time? Well, what we have in time are examples of nations who have been given long periods of time to turn to God, where the grace of God has been poured on that nation, where loving, tender care is allowed for renewal and generation renewal, and it just doesn't happen. When there comes a point in time, the God of heaven who cannot allow evil to continue for the good of those who love righteousness and for the stability of his universe has to intervene. That will happen the second coming. But we have little pictures of that in history when nations were judged by divine will. And so it's easy to stand in judgment and say, well, God here is a tyrant and so on. But look at the context here. We'll get a little better sense of this. First of all, people say that fail to recognize that hundreds of years passed from Exodus 17 when Amalek tried to destroy Israel. When God said he would judge the nation until the time when he actually did it. So he showed a long era of compassion toward Amalek. God was long-suffering and merciful with this nation. He wanted to give that nation a chance to change. And so he allowed them to interact with the people of God even after that decree had been given. He allowed generations to come and generations to go. And by so doing, some no doubt in Amalek, in those peak points, turned to God. There's no doubt about this. So God was faithful to love in his interaction with this evil nation. But then it finally got so bad in Amalek that in time judgment came on Amalek in time like it does on every nation at the end of time. A little vignette of the future. There's a point in time, friend, when God will not allow evil to live on anymore. You see, we worship a God of justice and love. Love and mercy are his primary characteristics. But he is nonetheless a God of justice. And look at verse 4. Saul summoned the people and numbered them until a.m. 200,000 men on foot, 10,000 men of Judah, and Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Now, how can you lie in wait with a 200,000-man army? (laughs) They must have been pretty conspicuous out there on the countryside. Well, we're lying in wait. Verse 6, and Saul said to the Kenites, so the Kenites noticed them, go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Malachites. And notice what's happening. Here we see that God is selective in his execution of judgment. It's not just a wholesale destruction here. He's being careful to separate the group that can still be reached, the group that still has this motivation maybe to do the right thing. And so he pulls the Kenites out. And very often people miss those details in the storyline. 
The same thing will happen at the end of time. God will make a great calling. It's called the fourth angel's message. And he will call those in end time Babylon, which represents a religio-political union at the end that is false. He will call his people out because he will separate the righteous from the wicked. He will not allow his people to be destroyed, even if they belong to another group that is not necessarily favored with him. Look at Revelation 18.4. I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, what? My people. Now, when you interact with other churches and other fellowships that may or may not be doing what we do, we must never forget that God has people in every single church. You hear me? People who love Him. People who want to follow the Word of God. And then there are rotten churches out there, and if we're disobedient, we could be one of them. And God looks beyond the organization to the hearts of people. And at the end, before Jesus comes, the book of Revelation says He's going to call them out to a group of people who stand for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus, who love Him supremely, and that group, under the umbrella of God's protection, it says, will not share it or plagues in verse 4. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the first portion of Witches and Wizards. Please join us again when we get together next time for the conclusion of this broadcast. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We so appreciate your contributions. And for a donation of any amount, we have a very special offer for you today. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death and is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Your donations help us keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Call now, 888-244-HOPE. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.